Hey, 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 what up, what up? It's your girl, Leah M. Forney, and I am back with another episode. <laughs> Listen, hope all is well. I can't believe we are coming to the end of May already. Like, is it just me, y'all, or does it feel like 2021 is just, like, flying by? Like, seriously, though. Um, but I can't believe we're already at the last episode for the month of May. Like, jeez, where did the time go? Uh, but before I get into who's going to be on this week's episode of Hey Queen Thrive, I just, you know, as always, got some updates. Want to talk to y'all, chit-chat with y'all. Um, for me, life is going good. I just launched my signature program, my five-week Master Your Message uh, program, and I'm super excited. And um, let me just say why I'm excited. I'm not just excited for launching um, my signature program as a coach, but I'm super excited because these ladies are showing up for themselves. Like that's what I'm excited about. These ladies are putting in the time. They are sitting, showing up and being teachable and coachable, but they're also betting on themselves. And as you know, ladies, listen, we will bet on everybody else. We will cheerlead for everybody else. We will show up for everybody else. And the last person we show up for is ourselves. And so shout out to the ladies that are currently in my five-week Master Your Message training program for just showing up for you. Seriously, just showing up for you. And so I'm just super excited. As most of y'all know, I am Outside of being a published author and a clinician, um, I also coach. And so <laughs> I just, I love teaching, right? I love, love, love teaching. And so, um, yeah, just shout out to them. So I definitely will be bringing it back this fall. So I'll definitely be having it all on my Facebook and other social medias as well as my website so that people can, um, you know, sign up for that cohort when it kicks off in October. But yeah, other than that, life is good. Um, <laughs> just a lot of stuff going on, booked and busy. Uh, can't, but I won't complain. Listen, every time I want to complain about being booked and busy, like seriously, God always reminds me of how much I prepared for this. Right. And so, yes, my phone and my emails is going off and I'm getting called left and right. And people are asking of me, to you know speak on different platforms and do things like that and i just again will not complain because obviously they see something in me one but then also they are willing to tap into the expert in me um and my expertise and then be like hey can you come and uh help so i'm definitely excited about that um the end of this month i will be teaching a client client attraction at a business summit, a mini business summit that's based out of Trinidad and Tobago. So I am definitely, definitely excited about that. Um, but of course I have my own coaching clients. So, uh, I just secured a new coaching client this week. And so I'm super excited to be working with her and getting her book done. So yeah, I, y'all, I really cannot complain. I really cannot complain, but Enough about what's going on with me. On this episode, as you know, May has been Mental Health Awareness Month. And so we have been focusing here on that Hate Queen Thrive on 
how we can improve our mental health. And so this episode, I have these two amazing ladies. And the reason why they're amazing is because they are licensed marriage and family therapists, just like your girl, right? And so <laughs> I have these two amazing ladies, Miss Sarah Harris and Latoya Cheaton, that is going to come on and talk to us about how we can improve our relationships. So yes, we're going to wrap up Mental Health Awareness Month with some couples therapy, y'all. We're going to talk about these relationships and how we can improve them. And so definitely stay tuned. And of course, you know, I will be back with my Thriver Nuggets. All right. And we're back with another episode of Hey Queen Thrive. Listen, May has been Mental Health Awareness Month. And as you know, I have sat down with so many amazing experts this month, but I had to end May Mental Health Awareness Month with this conversation about relationships. And so I am sitting down with two amazing ladies in the, in the field of mental health, Miss Sarah Harris and Latoya Cheekton. How are you ladies doing today? We are doing, doing great. We're doing good. Yeah. Yes. Ladies, can you tell my audience a little bit about yourselves? Sure. All right. So my name is Sarah Harris. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I am one of the co-hosts of the podcast Soul Talk for Black Folks. Um, Latoya and I have an online community by the same name. I'm also a group private practice owner, so I own a virtual group private practice called Serenity and Grace Therapeutic Services, and it's a Black-owned private practice with uh, therapists that are all uh, female and females of color. I also am a supervisor, so I supervise and mentor marriage and family therapist students and also um, marriage and family therapist associates, anyone who's working towards their license. Um, So just a lot of different hats that I wear. I also consult with private practice owners who are interested in having a virtual practice and want to grow their own private practice. Um, I do that also. Love it. Yes. What about you, Latoya? (laughs) Tell us a little about yourself. Yeah, so my name is Latoya Chitan. I'm also a licensed marriage and family therapist. And as Sarah said, the co-host for Soul Talk for Black Folks podcast. You guys should listen to it. It's great. Um, I am currently working at a group practice where I am providing uh, counseling services to couples mostly. I'm a couples therapist by trade. Absolutely love working with people dealing with their relationship stuff. Um, I also have a uh, business where I provide relationship coaching with my husband. So the two of us work together with couples. So that way they can kind of get both, both, get both sides of it, if you will. Um, And yeah, besides that, um, let's see, what else do I do? I think that's probably about it. That's all I can think of right now. I love it. I love it. So I'll, I'll kick this question to you first, Sarah. In your opinion, what does it mean to be a queen that thrives? Ooh, (laughs) and I love that phrase, by the way, (laughs) queen that thrives. When I think about a queen, I think about someone who radically loves themselves and they were just unapologetically themselves and not afraid to engage in soul care and just truly loving themselves. Because when you love yourself, that love outflows to others. So it impacts your families, it impacts your friends and anyone that you interact with. So a queen that thrives is someone who loves themselves, but they're also being of service to this world. I love that. Yes. What about you, Latoya? What's your opinion on what it means to be a queen that thrives? Yeah, you know, I I love everything that Sarah said, and I definitely agree with those things. Um, I would want to say, I would want to add that a queen that thrives is interested in personal growth. 
They are mm. looking at ways they can become a better version of themselves yeah. um, and being willing and, and able to, or willing and open to accept support, reach out to whenever they're in need um, and not feel like they have to carry it all on their own. Um, and one other thing that I would say is a queen that thrives is going to um, utilize the support of others by networking and connecting yeah. with other people and trying to lift up their community while they're trying to lift themselves up. I love that. I absolutely love everything you ladies said, especially that support piece, because I think we, especially as women of color, we are so big at superwoman capes and, and thinking that we have to do it all. And sometimes coming to that realization that I really don't have to do it all. I can delegate. I can ask for help. Yeah. It doesn't make me weak. So I absolutely love, love, love that. So I got to ask you ladies, and, and I'll, I'll start with you, Sarah. How did you get in the field of marriage and family therapy? What was that story like? Hmm. That seems like eons ago. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I remember graduating with my undergrad degree in psychology and information technology. Go mm -hmm. figure that one out. <laughs> and I knew that I wanted to do my master's degree in something, but I wasn't sure. Yeah. And so I explored a lot of different things online. I explored social work, general counseling, a lot of stuff. And then I ran into marriage and family therapy. And that really connected with my soul. Yeah. And like with many therapists, it also came from a place of noticing. It came from a personal place, like many yeah. therapists. And so I grew up in a home where there was a lot of chaos, where I didn't see a very happy marriage with my parents. Yeah. And so I was married, newly wed, probably a, yeah, a year into my marriage, less than a year. Mm. And I knew that I didn't want my marriage to be like what I had seen with a lot of people around me. I wanted to do something different, not just for me, but also for my kids my yeah. future kids at that time and so marriage and family was just something that clicked I love that it's always the personal stories that is the reason why we get in the field I know when I started out I don't even think I knew marriage and family existed I just knew I wanted to fix my dysfunctional family <laughs> that's what I did like, <laughs> I just want to learn the tools to fix this dysfunction and it, it was over the years and being in the field nine years now I learned that's not even my job my job is not right to mm -hmm. fix anybody um but I learned so much about myself and I learned so much about those patterns which we'll talk about later and how they were playing a role in my life so I absolutely mm -hmm. love that Latoya what about you how did you get in the field of marriage and family yeah, you know, like you both have described, as well as like a lot of people in the mental health field, I also come from a family that had a lot of challenges. And um, as I've talked to other people in the field, they're always saying that people who have struggles in their family lives as children oftentimes grow up to become therapists. So that was definitely my story. Um, the funny thing is that I actually knew I wanted to be a couples therapist um, when I was 12 because in middle school, I was the one who was giving everybody advice mm. about, their, about their little middle school relationship. <laughs> and so um, I knew at that time, I said, this is exactly what I wanna do. And I just went for it yeah. and um, got to my first school, my first undergrad class um, where they asked, why did we do this? And I raised my hand and I was like, because I'm good at giving advice. And then the teacher's <laughs> like, rule number one, therapists don't give advice. <laughs> So I was yep. sitting there like, I guess I have a lot to learn. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love that. I remember in grad school, the best piece of advice one of my professors gave me was that it is your client's life anyway. 
And mm. she used to always say that. She's like, I don't care what they show up in the room with. They ultimately know where mm. they want to end up. Your job mm-hmm. is to help them kind of guide them through that process. And that has been a piece of advice that has stuck with me all these years. So even when I am in the room and I'm like, I really want to tell you, leave this person, but I have to realize <laughs> that's not my role. Not and right. you nope. ultimately know what you want to do. So let me just yeah, help you get it. there. So mm-hmm. I absolutely yeah. love that. So I really want to dive into this conversation about relationships because listen, People are having some really hard times in this relationship. I know throughout the pandemic, I read so many articles of like celebrities ending their relationships. They're getting divorced because they're like, I really don't even know who I was with this whole time. Like Mm -hmm. it has been absolutely crazy. So my first question, and I'll throw it to you first, Latoya, in your opinion, what are some common reasons why you believe relationships are falling apart? Yeah, you know, um, I definitely have had a huge increase in clients who were coming in for for couples therapy, and the majority of them start by telling me, I felt like everything was going okay, but it's because we were busy. We were Mm. working, we were running, we were dealing with taking the kids back and forth here and there. Everybody, I believe, was pretty distracted, and in the distraction, um, it allowed for a lot of avoidance of things that have been going on. Um, And, you know, a lot of my couples have even said, we already knew we had problems with this, but we didn't really, you know, it wasn't really present in our day-to-day lives until the pandemic hit. Mm. So I think that that's a big part of it is that this situation really uh, did reveal a lot of things that were already going on, a lot of healing that was needed and being avoided. And now there's an opportunity to start working on that. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Sarah, what about you? What do you think yeah. is some of the common reasons? Well, you know, while Latoya was, was uh, speaking, I was thinking it's like the dust had settled. And once the dust has settled, all of these things came up to the surface. Mm-hmm. So it's not like the issues were not there before, but they were distracted. So it's easy to avoid and not notice what's going on. It's easy to only focus on the kids or the job or everything else that's outside. Yeah. But now with the pandemic, you're home, you've got this time and things are coming up so it has been challenging and yeah it has been increased with a lot increased with a lot of people who are coming in just because of more um, relationship challenges but I think overall sometimes we see these issues in relationships and I think one of the number one reasons is because there's a disconnection Mm. between partners yeah and sometimes we don't notice it because of the distraction but it doesn't mean that disconnection isn't there yeah. And so yeah. pandemic or no pandemic, I think it's something that we especially need to address um, mm-hmm. this source, this source of problems in relationships. Yeah, I love that you both said disconnection, because I, I saw that even at, as I work in the field, like people were just not connecting. And like you said, that busyness, that routine mm-hmm. of like, oh, I got to go to school, I got to go to work, I got to do this. I got, And now I'm home with you. And I'm looking at you and it's like, I don't even know this person. Like, who is this person? Why are all of a sudden you getting on my nerves? And I love that you both (laughs) mentioned that avoidance because I think we do that a lot in our relationships. I know for me, like I wasn't a fan of emotions and feelings for a very long time. Shout out to my therapist because she helped me with that. (laughs) (laughs) I really wasn't. Like I was very like, uh, feelings. I don't like them. Mm -hmm. Let's not not do this. Let's avoid them. But that really does not help these relationships Mm -hmm. at all. And I also have found, and you guys can tell me if you find it to be true. 
a lot of couples don't know how to communicate. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's the other thing that came up as Sarah was talking. I was like, oh, I should say that, you know, the communication piece is so big because as we're talking about the things that are um, that are under the surface that that they're not, you know, uh, that they're not addressing. Yeah. Even once someone identifies that there's something going on, oftentimes they don't have um, the words to really be able to identify what's going on within them and what the feeling is and express it. Yeah, I feel like that's what I work with a lot of couples on is um, both of them just working on what is going on within me. Why? You know, a lot of people say these days, I felt some type of way. <laughs> they don't even know what it's called. Yeah. So just yeah. identifying the feelings that are going on and being able to um, express them to your partner and for them to be able to receive them. Mm. Oftentimes, you know, they're not received well. And then that's kind of what starts the patterns in the, um, in the disconnection in the relationships as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I agree, especially that receiving part, because I think that a lot of times, at least in my experience with relationships, we think our partner's just supposed to know, right? Like if I'm walking yeah. around slamming pots and pans and slamming doors and you, you know how we do, uh -huh. like, like right. we're just supposed to know that I'm upset and they're looking like, I really can't read your mind. So I don't know mm -hmm. that you're upset. How do we begin to deal with that though? Like, how do we stop doing the slamming of the doors and really just get vulnerable enough to communicate? Sarah, what do you say? Well, number one, I think we need to realize that it's okay to have feelings because mm -hmm. we know that intellectually, but many times I think, especially in the black community, it's hard to acknowledge that you have feelings. Um, I think recently Latoya and I was speaking to a guest on our podcast and they were saying in the black community, Acknowledging feelings means it was dangerous. And sometimes it's still dangerous to even to show your feelings. Mm -hmm. And so we're still programmed to shut down your feeling, avoid how you're feeling because you need to cope. You need to go work and make money so that you're to provide for your family. All yeah. of these different things that over the years we've learned that in order to cope with the trauma that we experience as a people, we have to avoid mm -hmm. feelings. Mm -hmm. So first and foremost, part of radical self-love is acknowledge that you have feelings. Huh, I'm human. I'm not perfect and it's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that part is so huge though. Cause when you really get to the place where, and I know for me, when I really got to the place where it was like, okay, it's really okay not to be okay. Like it's really mm. okay to be angry and frustrated and that I didn't have to be a robot 24 hours a day, yeah. seven days a week. Yeah. Like that for me was the opening of the floodgates because now, you know, I'm healthy enough to be able to tell people, listen, I'm, I call them head days. I'm like, I'm having a head day. Today's just not <laughs> that really good of a day. Charge it to my head, not my heart. Because when you know me, you just know mm, Leah just has one of those days. But I'm I'm healing and comfortable in that space. Whereas once before, like I said, I couldn't stand emotions. It was like, what? Mm -hmm. Don't come talking to me about emotions. I'm not the person to talk to about yes. it. Yeah. So, ah, I love it. I love it. Because love it. So. <laughs> Because Go if ahead. we can't handle emotions with ourselves, how can we handle it with someone else, especially our partner? Yeah. Oh, that's so okay. good. That is so good, mm -hmm. which is probably the reason why I didn't always do good in relationships. Ah, <laughs> God, Sarah, look, this, this conversation might be helping me tonight. I love it. I love it. So I really want to talk about these mother and father wounds because I hear it all the time. I see it all the time you know, celebrities are using it. I just see it all the time. 
how do you like in your opinion through like how do our mother father wounds really impact our relationships or our ability to have relationships so Chloe, what do you say you know our parents the 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 um people who are in our household growing up i believe that they have the greatest impact on who how we learn to deal with relationships in general yeah, yeah. one of the first things i do with um any of the couples that i sit down with is i meet with them individually and i learn more about their upbringing how did your family deal with conflict how did they communicate did you feel like you could express your feelings in your household um, what types of topics were taboo you guys couldn't talk about them and the reason I do that is because by gathering this background information, I can get a pretty good glimpse into where their um, challenges are coming from in their relationship. Mm. All of a sudden, they don't know how to talk about certain things. They try to avoid them or they, they try to brush things over. They wake up the next morning after a fight like, hi, honey. And their partner's like, uh-uh, we just had a huge argument last night. Come to find out that's how their family did it. Mm. So our parents are our models. Yeah. of how to have relationships. And then if you just kind of take that a step further, most of our parents didn't have any type of healthy relationships to look up to. Yeah. So if they don't have something that's positive and healthy to show us, then we're not going to get it from them. Right. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it, you know, we were oftentimes in the black community, especially we were, uh, many of us were taught to avoid our feelings. We were taught that we're not allowed to have those feelings. Yeah. I remember, you know, parents walking up to be like, are you mad? You can't say yes, you're mad to that question. You have to say no, or you can get in trouble. Yeah. So it's like, I can't even own the feeling of being angry, even though I am angry right yeah. now. Yeah. And so we're taught not to not to uh, to have those feelings, not to share them, and especially don't talk to them about talk about them outside of our household to yeah. anybody else. Yeah. So it's just I feel like the a lot of the um, mental health challenges we have, the relationship challenges we have, and the mental health stigma that's stigma that's in this country are directly related to the things that our parents and the generations before them have passed down. Whew, you said so much right there. That was a lot, you huh? really did. Like, <laughs> ah, because I and, and immediately before I kick it to you, Sarah, I started thinking about just like what our grandparents weren't allowed to talk about, what our great grandparents and how mm -hmm. it just continued to like pass down. Like, I know now I'm having conversations with my 77 year old grandmother and she's opening up about things that I don't think I ever thought she would open up about, mm -hmm. but she's really realizing how her upbringing shaped the mother that she became and the grandmother she became. And so yeah. just having those conversations, yeah. she said to me mm -hmm. today, she said, I was watching this documentary and it was all about mental health. And I thought, I said, I just got a newfound appreciation for what my grandbaby does for a living. I was like, well, thanks, <laughs> we do a whole Thank you. I love That's that. So I love it. Sarah, what about you? How do you think mother and father wounds impact our relationships? Yeah. So one of the things I love about the field that I'm in, marriage and family therapy, is that we take a systemic approach to our clients. Mm -hmm. So just because one person is sitting in front of us in that office, it doesn't mean that that's all we see. We're going to invite other parts of that person's system into the office. Yeah. And so we might invite um, them literally into the office. Or we might do it figuratively. For example, we might say, imagine that your mom is here right now. What would you want to tell her? So we do imagined encounters in our sessions because so many times it does go back 
to the attachment figures in our life. Mm -hmm. yeah. And for many people, the attachment figure is that parent. Mm -hmm. It could be another caregiver, like a grandmother or someone else. But for the most part, it is um, that parental figure. And yeah. the research shows how you were parented in the first two to three years, those early years are crucial because oh, it yeah. almost forms the template for how your other relationships are going to be later on. Mm -hmm. And so if you had a parent that was very dismissive of your emotions, like you can't be angry, you can't be upset, or um, boys don't cry, things, mm -hmm. messages like that, yeah. then we grow to avoid our emotions. And we, we, we think it's okay until we get into a relationship and we have yeah. a partner who's saying, I don't know what you're thinking. Do you even love me anymore? <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. So it shows up Ooh. in a lot, a lot of different ways. Listen, as you were saying that, I was thinking back to like my previous relationship and I tell people all the time, I feel like relationships expose those parts of you, those, mm. those mommy, daddy wounds, seriously. Yes. And I was in yes. a really healthy relationship and I remember the first argument we had and he walked away. And mm. I freaked out, like the abandonment in me, because I grew up being raised by my grandmother. My parents have been addicts my entire life. And I freaked out. It was immediate, mm. like downward spiral. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, he's leaving me. We're breaking up. Oh my God. And literally yes. he was just walking away because he grew up where they had conversation. Like they didn't argue. They were communicators and I wasn't a communicator. And what helped me in that space was being vulnerable enough to say to him, listen, when you walk away, I, it triggers my abandonment. And mm -hmm. so having to share that with him. But then what I loved about what he did was that he literally said every time we would argue and we didn't argue that often, but he would be like, I'm not walking away from you. I'm walking away from this situation yeah. because he knew yeah. that it was going to take me down a dark path <laughs> where I was like, oh my God, yeah. we're over and done with. So everything yeah. you ladies are saying, I'm like, God, this is spot on about how these yes. relationships work. Jeez, mm -hmm. this is and so even good. in that example, even in that story that you shared, we hear about the communication. Like communication plays such a powerful role in relationships. They mm -hmm. do, they do, because I think we really do expect people to know us and read our minds. And I have mm -hmm. even for me, I remind myself like you're always evolving, you're ever growing. Like what you mm -hmm. like today, you might not like two years from now, so you can't expect. Yeah your partner to be like, well, you're just supposed to know. No, not really. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I hear that from a lot of couples, um, especially if they've been together for a long time. Like after all this time we've been together, you don't know that I feel this way or that yeah. I want you to do that. Yeah. And I have to stop them because two reasons. One reason is that, no, it's not your partner's job to read your mind right? Um, it, they don't know what you're thinking. And you probably don't really want them to just assume that they know what you're thinking anyway, right? Right. Um, but the other thing is, it's your responsibility to identify and express your own emotions. Mm. And I feel like that's also a big cop out for people by saying, oh, well, you're supposed to know how I feel. You're basically um, taking the responsibility away from yourself yeah. to actually communicate, yeah. which is perpetuating the problem. Mm. That's so good. That's so good. And to do and to do the hard work, the hard work of yeah. getting to know your partner and understanding your partner. Yeah. Listen, and which people don't do. I, it's been amazing because like I'll have conversations with my friends about relationships, both those that have relationships, those that are single. And it amazes me how much they don't really know their partner or they haven't mm -hmm. and like had those conversations. Like even just about like I was having a conversation a few weeks ago with a good friend of mine about the frequency of sex life and 
I was like, do you communicate those things? Like, do you tell your partner how often do you want it? Do you tell them the expectations? And he's like, I mean, not really. I said, so you're expecting her to have sex with you <laughs> six, seven times a week and you haven't told her, but then you're frustrated because right. she hasn't done it. She doesn't right. know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother can of worms right there. Yeah. Talking about the sex life. That is something that even couples do not want to talk to each other about oftentimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So mm-hmm. That's it's another so part true. that we really have to work with people on because it's so important. Just like you're saying, they're not going to know what you want. They're not going to know what you need. You need. They're not going to know mm-hmm. what feels good if you don't tell them. Yeah. Yeah. And they're always, I find, cause when I was doing interning, when we had a couple and we would do a couple's assessment, I always, there was always a part in the assessment where we separated them and we asked those questions mm-hmm. about sex. Mm-hmm. And it was yes. always funny to see how they were always on the polar opposite. Like one yeah. partner was like, oh yeah, my sex life is great. We're having a friend. The other partner was like, yeah, no, we're not getting it that often. <laughs> like, just, I always found that to be so intriguing. Like how are y'all on polar opposites when it comes to this conversation? Mm-hmm. And it just yeah. goes back to what we're saying, communication and how we're just not being vulnerable and honest mm-hmm. and open with our partners about what it is that we need. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love and this. Finding ways to connect with each other. Yeah. You know, because yeah. like I said, without that connection, you're not really going to get very far in your relationship. Yeah. So once you feel some sort of distance or disconnection in your relationship, it needs to be addressed right away, head on. Yeah. 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 I, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So now I got I want to ask, because of course, maybe in mental health awareness, Mike, how does trauma play a role in our ability to have relationships? Sarah, I'll let you start. Hmm. That's a big question. Yeah. So when I think about trauma, the trauma could be a family trauma, trauma that has happened in your own family of origin and that will impact your relationship. But then sometimes the trauma is with you as an individual, Mm. right? So we were just talking about sex, for example. So let's say there's some trauma in your background related to physical intimacy. If your partner doesn't know that, or if you have not addressed that in some way so that there is healing, it will play a destructive role in your relationship. And your partner may not even understand what's going on, right? He may think, oh, I'm not attractive. She doesn't want to be with me. Not knowing that Mm. you have had a trauma in your background and you're reacting to it. Mm. So just being able to and I posted something like that on my Instagram today, paying attention to where your wounds are mm-hmm. and doing the hard work of healing. And it is hard work, but it's so oh, worth yeah. it in the oh, end yeah. because it's healing yeah. for you and healing for those around you. I love that. I love that. Pay attention to it. I love that. Latoya, what about you? How do you think trauma plays a, a, an impact in our relationships? Oh, I think it has a very big impact on our relationships. Um, I was actually in a training this weekend for emotionally focused couples therapy. And um, one of the things we talked about was trauma and how it plays out in relationships. And one of the biggest takeaways I had is that sometimes people have experienced something that was traumatic, Mm -hmm. that they don't necessarily identify as being traumatic for them. Yeah. And so it's, you know, oftentimes when they, when people do start going to therapy and start to get more information on, uh, you know, the, the therapist will ask that good questions to give, to get them more information on um, some of the experiences they had. And people will often recognize, I guess I was 
father, I guess that did affect me more than I mm-hmm. thought. Mm-hmm. I guess I was afraid of what would happen if my dad came home and he was in this type of a mood or he'd been drinking. You yeah. know, they may not have recognized that as being traumatic for them until they start to get more information on what trauma might look like and what kinds of symptoms you might be having that are letting you know, letting, you know, alerting your body that, hey, I'm not, something's not right here. Mm-hmm. So I think that a lot mm-hmm. of people will, um, will avoid, as we were talking about earlier, avoid the things that are going on, chalk it off to other things. Oh, yeah. well, it's just because I've been tired or it's just because, you know, my partner has, has me in a bad mood, whatever yeah. it is. But oftentimes those things are actually uh, historical events and um, situations that they have experienced that may still be playing an active role in their interactions today. Yeah, yeah. I, I love I love that you mentioned the body. One of my favorite books is The Body Keeps the Score. Because mm-hmm. I tell people all the time that even when you try to say you don't know, oh, your body knows. This is why you get the reactions that you get, the triggers that come up because your body's letting you know, hey, something mm-hmm. did happen and this is reminding me of it. So I, I love yes. that. So mm-hmm. Sarah, let me ask you, how can we begin to heal? our relationships. What, what do you say? Mm. How, what's, how do we begin to do this? Yeah. I think it's with realizing that it's okay to pay attention. It's okay to tune inwards towards yourself and that it's okay to ask for help. So sometimes when I'm doing an assessment, I've learned over the years to go slow with using the word trauma. Because if I ask, hey, what trauma has happened in your life? They're like, oh, nothing. Everything's good. And then come to mm-hmm. find out, well, she was raped at 17 or dad was mm-hmm. an alcoholic. Yeah. yeah. So I've had to reword it in, and ask, what's an upsetting event that is happening in your life? What's the most upsetting event that has happened in your life? Mm-hmm. So, and especially in the Black community, it's okay to acknowledge needing help. It's okay to acknowledge that things are okay and to reach out, especially in this Mental Health Awareness Month. I love that there are more black therapists out there who are getting trained and who are becoming highly skilled and that therapy is becoming less and less of a stigma. I hope one day it's no longer a stigma so that everyone, especially our black people can reach out for help. But um, but in answer to your question, I think paying attention to the self and reaching out for help when needed. I love it. What about you, Latoya? What do you say? How do we begin to heal? Um, I would say it's important to be gentle with ourselves and be open, mm. you know, not judging ourselves. We've, many of us have gone through a lifetime of feeling judged by others, whether it be our parents, whether it be our community, our friends, whoever, social mm-hmm. media. Um, so, you know, rather than judging ourselves for where we're at and shutting down what, what we're experiencing, I think it's so important to be open and to be curious about learning more about yourself learning more about your experiences and spending time alone. I feel like that is a lost art in this, in this society. You know, we, we don't really have alone time except when we have our phones and we're, you know, we're scrolling through social media. Um, That's our alone time, but we can't really hear our hearts or hear our souls or hear what's going on within us when Mm -hmm. we're busy and distracted Mm -hmm. with all the things around us. So, um, you know, I love yoga uh, you know, mindfulness, those are things that people incorporate into their lives in order to become more present and stay in the moment. Yeah. I think that is where the healing starts. It's in the moment. Yeah. I I love that. I think, I think back to grad school and 
one of the things one of my colleagues said, she used to say, be where your feet are, wherever your mm. feet are is in the moment, mm-hmm. be there. Like, don't, and that used to help me so much. And it still does because I have a tendency of like mind racing. I'm over yeah. here thinking about 50 million other things I could be doing. And sometimes mm-hmm. I have to tell myself, just be where your feet are, wherever your feet are mm-hmm. is in the moment be right there like don't worry about what's to come don't worry about what's been just be present and so I absolutely love love everything that you ladies say and so as we're getting ready to wrap up I really want to ask for you guys to give some advice um so what advice do you give to to a single person who really does 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 desire healthy relationships but just does not know where to start in creating one what advice do you give Sarah I think it's okay to start with a relationship with yourself. Yeah. Because sometimes when we're constantly looking for that other person to complete us, Mm. and then even when that person comes along, we realize, oh, I'm still unhappy. I still don't feel complete. So work on feeling complete with yourself first, feel grounded in whatever way that looks. It could be reading books. It could be listening to podcasts. It could be going on a vacation with yourself or with your girls, whatever that looks like for yourself. Yeah. Do that work in the relationship with yourself and you'd be surprised at the type of people that you would attract to that would also change mm-hmm. oh exactly. yes yes ma'am yes ma'am <laughs> <laughs> what about you Latoya what advice do you give yeah you know Sarah Sarah's comment um, I was going to say that but Sarah stole it so I have to say something else but <laughs> <laughs> when she said that you know I thought of um, one of my favorite song lyrics from Life Jennings he says don't be a nickel out here looking for a dime Mm. And I, I love that. And it sat mm-hmm. with me for years, just because I feel like it's very powerful that we do have to work on ourselves in order to be the best version of ourselves. Yeah. Um, and, and then that way we will attract the, the people who are also doing the same. So I think that's a big piece. Um, but the other thing that I would say is um, just making sure that you are focusing on the things that you want to do. Yeah. Well, single people will always say things or ask me things like, uh, you know, where do I go to find the right partner? You know, where are they at? And I'm like, your partner is going to find you if yeah. you continue to go where you want to go. Yeah. If you want to go to the gym, mm-hmm. go to the gym. Don't mm-hmm. go to the gym because you're hoping that there's going to be a partner there. Yeah. Go to the gym because you want mm-hmm. to be at the gym. And then people who are at the gym are going to find you because yeah. they're interested in someone who's at the gym. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I think it's about just doing you and, and trusting that your partner is going to, your paths are going to meet, but yeah. not changing who you are or what you want to do in order to try to, you know, attract a certain partner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. I absolutely love that. Cause it brings me back to a conversation I have with my therapist when she asked me, do I really know what makes me happy? And for the mm-hmm. first time, it was so hard. Like, I remember crying in that session, like, cause it dawned on me that my happiness was always connected to people, places and things. Uh-huh. And for the first time I was like, you know what? I really don't know what makes me happy. And she mm-hmm. was like, I challenge you to discover what makes you happy and do more of that. Yeah, and when I started powerful. doing more of that, I promise you, I wasn't mm-hmm. thinking about a partner. I wasn't thinking about relationships. I was just focusing right. on healing and doing me you know mm-hmm. and I found yeah. that and that I, I say it all the time heal people hear different see different talk different mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. as I begin to heal like the things mm-hmm. that I thought was attractive was like oh that's such a turn off <laughs> 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 right? like I just right. didn't look at 
people or things the same way anymore because I was doing my work. So I absolutely love mm-hmm. everything that you ladies said. And so my next yeah. question is, so what advice do you give couples on how to sustain healthy relationships? Latoya, what do you say? I love talking about this. That's why Sarah's smiling at me right now. <laughs> yes, I love talking about it too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, I think the biggest thing that I would give a couple is that it's okay to get help. It's okay yeah. to seek support. Um, the That was one of the biggest things that helped myself and my husband early on in our relationship. We were um, a few years into marriage and we were just really struggling. What helped us was to get around like-minded people. So yeah. we went to church, we found a group, uh, a church group of married uh, of couples that were young and married. And we jumped in that group and that group um, combined with all the work that we did really just turned our whole relationship around. Um, and the most powerful thing for us was sitting at the tables with people who were telling us that they were experiencing the same thing. Yep. So that's what, that's my advice to couples out there is that whatever you're dealing with, you're not the only one dealing mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. And the longer you keep it hidden, the, the longer you feel like you can't talk to anybody about it, the longer the problem's going to go on and it's just probably going to get worse. The sooner you open up and start being truthful and real and, and, and connect with like-minded people who um, are on the side of your relationship. They, you yeah. want them to be on the side of your relationship. Yeah. Not yeah. the friends who are like, oh, girl, you better leave them every time something, mm-hmm. you know, not, mm-hmm. not necessarily them. The people who are going to try to help you to have an objective view and to, to help you to know that these things that are happening in relationships happen to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Sarah, what mm-hmm. about you? What advice do you give couples? Yeah. Um, when you asked that question, the first thing that came to mind was that it's okay to be proactive and get in therapy early on. Mm-hmm. My husband and I, we've been married for 17 years now, and we love therapy. And there would be times when we're in couples therapy and we would tell others, oh, we've got a therapist appointment today. And they would have this shocked look on their face, like just freaking out, like, yeah. oh my gosh, are you guys okay? Yeah. And I'm like, no, yeah, we're fine. We're just working on our relationship, being proactive. So yes. it's okay to get some type of professional help or it doesn't have to be professional help. Like Latoya is saying, join a group at church. It's okay mm-hmm. to do these things, be proactive. Don't wait until you feel like your marriage is on its last leg or that it's on the line before you jump in therapy or do something. Yes. So be proactive yes. and continuously work on your relationship. It's yes. your project. Work on it. I love it. I love it. I love that proactive piece because I think too many times couples are reactive. We wait till mm-hmm. something goes wrong and now it's like, ah, we're going to therapy. Otherwise I'm divorcing you. And it's like, yeah, but if we kind of just like, started doing that in the beginning and really nurturing our relationship and growing mm-hmm. together. Like it, I just, I love that. I love that. So I got to ask you ladies, what's next? Cause I know you guys got something coming up. Sarah, what do you got going on next in your life? <laughs> um, Latoya and I are getting ready to officially launch our podcast and that should be maybe in the next two or three weeks. Yay. So we are super excited about that. <laughs> and recently we launched our um, Soul Connection Couples card deck. And it's a card deck that's it's double-sided and it's filled with activities on one side and conversation starters on the other side. And we introduced that into our community and that's been going phenomenal. We recently had someone share that she used it in her anniversary celebration with her husband. 
So we're excited about that. You ladies um, are changing relationship lives out here. I love it. <laughs> I yes. Love it. Yeah. And with my private practice, I'm just continually working on growing it just so that we can continue to provide good quality service in our community. Yes, I love it. What about you, Latoya? What you got coming up next? Uh, well, I just, uh, as, I, as, as Sarah was saying, we just have the, um, the podcast coming up, which we're super excited about. Um, alongside of that, I'm also, uh, as I said, I was, I'm working with my husband um, at the Couples Wellness Spot, and we are doing coaching with couples. Um, we're actually going to, uh, to launch groups soon. So we're going to be having groups of couples just because like I was saying, um, that's what really helped us out was just being around other people who were dealing with the same things that we were dealing with people to go through life with. So that's what we're hoping to, um, to create is this sense of community, uh, for the couples. And that's what we have coming up next. I love it. And so ladies, before I let you go, where can people find you? How can they connect with you? Latoya, where can people find you? I am on Instagram at the couples wellness spot and um, I'm on Facebook with Latoya Chiffon. Okay. Sarah, where can people find you? Yes. I'm on, uh, I'm on Instagram at Sarah Harris therapist. And I've also have my website, www.sgtherapeuticservices.com. I love it. I love it. Well, ladies, I truly, truly appreciate you guys coming to Hey Queen Thrive and really having this conversation. I know I have learned some things sitting here having this conversation with you ladies. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for wrapping up Mental Health Awareness Month with just an amazing conversation about how we can improve our relationships. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And thank you so much for what you're doing for the community. I'm so happy that you're, you have this, um, this information out there. We need to talk more about mental health, especially in the Black yes. community. So thank you for this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate you, ladies. Listen, that was another amazing episode. Shout out to Sarah Harris and Latoya Chisnon, licensed marriage and family therapist, just doing a thing in the mental health arena Thank you. Thank you so much, ladies, for just coming through and just sharing with us about how we can improve our relationships, save our relationships. I truly, truly appreciate you. Listen, all my guests thus far on Hate Queen Thrive has just been absolutely phenomenal, y'all. Like, I promise you, these ladies have been just coming through like the bosses that they are, and I truly appreciate them. But as you know, it can never be a Hate Queen Thrive episode without what? You know it thriving nuggets. And so I'm going to talk to you guys about some ways to improve your relationship. Okay. And so number one, spend time together. Listen, I think it's very vitally important that when you are in a relationship and whether you're building a relationship in the dating phase, building relationship, or actually already in a committed relationship, whether it's like, that's my man, that's my wife, that's my, whatever the title is, right? You got to spend time together. You absolutely got to spend time together. It is vital to have that, that couple's time and really just get to know each other, keep growing together, right? Communicate. So definitely you want to uh, spend some time together, right? So make date night a priority. Yep. Make it a priority. Schedule it. Make sure, especially, and let me say this to all my couples who have kids, 
right? Date night still needs to be a priority. Don't let them children be over here taking over all your free time. Yeah, I know you got to be a mom and you got to be a dad, but guess what? Your partner needs you too. And so spend time together. Number two, ask for what you need. Ladies, this one is huge. Listen, I'll be the first to admit, I think that everybody's a mind reader. And so a lot of times I don't ask for what I need. And then I get frustrated because people are not giving me what I need. And the reality is, it's because I didn't ask for it. I didn't communicate it. And so another way you can improve your relationship is by asking for what you need and being very clear about it. Okay. Number three, try not to hold on to resentment, anger, and fear. Listen, are we always going to, are you going to have times in your relationship where you might not like each other? Yes. I always tell people that relationships are, uh, or love is about loving somebody, even in the moments when you don't like them, right? Because you're going to have times when you just don't like your partner, right? He or she's going to do something that's going to piss you off right? But you want to try not to hold on to the resentment, the anger, and even the fear um, when you feel it. Like communicate, talk about it, and then let it go. Number four, express anger in a productive way. Listen, there is a productive way to express anger, and it does not always have to involve cursing each other out, throwing things. That's unhealthy, right? So I will tell you, when I was in my last relationship, um, one of the, our one rule in our relationship, right, was we never went to bed angry. So if we had got into an argument, right, if we had a misunderstanding or miscommunication or whatever the issue was, we had to resolve it before we went to bed. And so however that may have looked, but we chose to express our anger in a productive way. And so that might've looked like not talking about it in the moment when it was heated, right? Taking that time to like calm down and woosah and breathe and then having the conversation, okay? Another way that you can be vulnerable in your relationship, number five, is to, or another way to improve your relationship is to be vulnerable. Okay, now I'll be the first to admit I wasn't always a fan of emotions, okay? I really wasn't. And that's because I spent a lot of my life suppressing my my emotions. And so through my own healing, right, and my own growing and my own time with my own therapist, right, I have learned how to be vulnerable. And not be vulnerable with everybody, but be vulnerable with the people I trust, right? The people that are emotionally safe for me. And so another way that you can improve your relationship is by learning to be vulnerable. Okay. Uh, another way that you can learn to improve your relationship is by hugging and kissing each other. Hello and goodbye. Listen, you just never know when it might be your last time with somebody. Take it from somebody who went through that three years ago. I never knew that my life would have changed that drastically three years ago. Right. And so learn to hug each other, kiss each other, hello and goodbye. Because again, life can change in a blink of the eye. And you really don't want your last time with somebody to be such a bad um, memory, right? So that's another way you can improve your relationship. Another way you can improve your relationship is know and practice each other's love language. Listen, if you heard the last episode, that was our Thrivers Nuggets, Dr. Chapman's 
five love languages. I hope you guys went online, looked up the quiz, did the quiz, and figured out what your love language is. It is very important to know your partner's love language. Your partner needs to know your love language, and then y'all practice it so that you are loving each other the way you got each other knows needs love. Not what you think your partner needs or how you think your partner needs love, but exactly the way they tell you they need love, okay? I'm a quality time type of chick. So I need that undivided attention. That is one of my love languages. That is my primary love language, okay? So know and practice each other's love language. Then another tip on how to improve your relationship, talk about what's working in the relationship. And then do more of that. But then I would also say, I would also add, talk about what's not working in the relationship, right? It is okay to do check-ins. It is okay to ask your partner, hey, do you still want to be here? <laughs> hey, do I still make you, you know, happy? Hey, are you still in love with me? We, I don't know why people avoid those type of conversations, but you should be having those conversations. You should be talking about what's working and what's not working. And then how do you come together and fix it if that's what you want to do, right? And then another tip I have for you on how you can improve your relationship is give each other space. Listen, as much as you're a couple, you should also be an individual. And I'm going to tell you from personal experience, when I was very young, um, starting out in relationships about 19, 20 years old, I devoted my whole entire being to a guy, right? And I seriously remember when one of my friends said, do you even know who you are outside of him? Right. But looking back, I realized that was codependency. And a lot of it was because we had a trauma bond because we had something in common and that was unhealthy, really good, healthy relationships know how to give each other space. Like they know how to be together when they're together. And when they're not together, like you're still an individual, even without your partner. Right. So give each other space, like let him go have his guys night. Fellas, for those of y'all that listen in, let your lady have her girls night. Like, do, Give each other space. One thing I learned in relationships is that I want to be able to miss my partner. Like I want to like, and not miss him because he just went off to go to work or whatever. And I'm gonna see him later. But like that extended period of time when he over there having his guys time, I'm having my girls now. Like I could be like, yo, I really missed you. So give each other space. And then the last tip I have for how you can improve your relationships is see a couple's therapist. Listen, I got a really good friend of mine who um, is proactive in making sure that her and her marriage, her marriage with her husband stays solid, right? The last thing I would say, like I would tell people is don't wait to relationship or your marriage hits the rocks to now want to be in couples therapy. As a clinician, that's when I see couples the most is when they got one foot in that marriage or one foot in that relationship and they done. Be proactive about your relationship. Go to couples therapy just because. Not because, oh, something has now catastrophically happened and now I need to go to couples therapy and handle it, but be proactive, not reactive. It's, listen, people come into couples therapy all the time on a reactive basis when something happens. Why wait till something happens when you can be proactive about your relationship, go to couples therapy, right? And, and do the work to keep your relationship going, keep that spark, keep that fire. I'm just saying, y'all, 
But listen, nevertheless, again, shout out to the experts, Sarah Harris and Latoya Cheetah again for just coming through. This, I mean, the month of May has been absolutely amazing here at Hey Queen Thrive. We have had some amazing, amazing conversations all about approving your mental health this month. Definitely check back in the month of June. I am so excited about the month of June, y'all, because I actually get to interview some up and coming um, authors. Yes, I am interviewing the ladies that will be on my business, Bestie, Tamara Mitchell Davis, Bless Not Broken, Volume 3 Anthology. Listen, y'all don't want to miss the month of June. And then for my Father's Day special, I am sitting down with some amazing, amazing, amazing Black fathers. And we're just going to talk about fatherhood. Yep. We're just going to change the narrative, right? So definitely tune back in the month of June. I love each and every one of you. Thank you for always supporting me. Thank you for sharing and downloading and liking. You guys are amazing. I have some of the most amazing supporters. And I truly, truly would not have a Hey Queen Thrive show without you guys. So Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Love you guys. Stay safe out there and I will be back soon. Peace out.